So last week, we talked about uh, four questions. Let me just get this straight. There we go. And uh, those are four questions that we're going to be asking ourselves over the next several weeks. Last week, I said there's five messages with the intro, and I kind of looked at things, and I think there's still going to be a few more than four messages yet ahead of us. Um, But the questions and answers can be found in your bulletin, and they're also, I believe, included on the screen. And there are, why do we exist? How do we behave? How will we succeed? And what do we do? And it's talking about the church. These four questions, though, can be asked of any organization, can be asked of any business, and can be asked of any church. And these four questions can ask, also be asked of each of us personally. You can ask these questions yourselves, too, just for your individual lives. And so if you're visiting with us today, um, and over the next few weeks, these questions will easily apply to any person's life. And so we can also apply these questions to, if you're visiting with us, you can take them to your own churches. But we're going to take this time today and over the next four weeks to apply these questions to our church, Exeter Christian Reformed Church. Last week, we kicked a series off titled God's Desired Future for Exeter Christian Reformed Church. And we focus on Ephesians 5, verse 10, finding out what pleases the Lord. Following the message, I heard some comments from people, and comments are not uncommon. But these comments were that finding out what pleases the Lord and these four questions seem to be a little too general to give us direction. And some of the comments led to maybe we need to get more specific to understand what does it really mean to find out what pleases the Lord. And I thank you for those comments. And I believe that part of the Christian journey is not having it all figured out about the destination. When we have faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, yes, Scripture promises that we will have eternal life. The goal of eternal life, it's important. But we don't have all the details of what it all looks like, what is exactly going to be involved in that. We have the promise And so the adventure before the goal is important. The journey is probably more important. Patrick Lencioni's book titled The Advantage, it is stated that a plan, a plan is better than no plan. And he goes on to say that a good plan executed today is better than a perfect plan executed tomorrow. Now you can argue with that logic and that's okay. I mean, this does not apply to Jesus because he only has perfect plans. It applies to his people. You see, too often we are seeking the perfect plan. And if we do that, we will likely never execute a plan. More often, we need to go with a good plan and in those plans make mistakes. As long as through the good plan, we continue to rely on God and we continue to find out what pleases Him. A failure in the plan only occurs when we don't learn from our mistakes. Mistakes are okay. Mistakes are okay along the journey. So a good, a less than perfect plan is better than no plan. So, as I said, some of these questions, finding out what pleases God, these plans might seem rather general right now, but they will get us asking questions. These questions will then get us asking more questions and trying different things and even making mistakes along the way. 
But as we are reminded through the children's message as well, God is with us. He is present through our mistakes and through our blessings, and he's with us through it all. So today we ask and partly answer the question, why do we exist? Why does Exeter Christian Reformed Church exist? How does Exeter Christian Reformed Church make lives better? How is Exeter Christian Reformed Church used for God's kingdom? The biblical answer that we come up with is that we exist to glorify God and share Christ through word and example. And again, if you're looking at this statement, it seems rather general. And the statement is not intended to make us different from the next church. That's going to come later through our other answers to other questions and the journey that follows these questions. The purpose of this statement is to ideally define what our purpose is. Why do we as this church exist today? And would other churches have a similar, similar statement? They probably would. So this morning we read a portion from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount from Matthew 5, verses 13 to 16. And Jesus, he tells a parable to these folks, and he had a long sermon, but this was the beginning of the sermon, so they were probably still listening quite well and not yet asleep, so they're quite alert, I'm sure. But we're going to be reading from Matthew 5. You can look at it in your pew Bibles on your phones, or it's going to be on the screen as well before us. So before we do, let's come to God in prayer. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your life on this earth and for your spirit who continues to live in us and be present among us. We thank you for other resources and documents and sermons that help us to understand your word and how to live out your word. We thank you for your life-giving word, your word that is a light to our feet and a lamp to our path. And as we read from your inspired word to us this morning, we pray your blessing on this reading and the message that follows. May we not resist the working of your Holy Spirit in our lives as you speak to each of us and to our church through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Matthew 5, 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So here we are in this part of the Jesus Sermon on the Mount, and he's talking about two things in this passage, and that's salt and light. Two very common, important, and known things in Jesus' time and our times. But before we jump into talking about salt and light, we're going to jump to verse 16, the latter part of verse 16b, where Jesus says, glorify your Father in heaven. We are called to glorify God. And we're called to glorify God so that others too will glorify God. And others can glorify God. And we glorify God. How? By sharing the gospel through his word and through example. 
We glorify God by being salt and light in this community in which he places each of us in. He places us in communities for a purpose. Or he sends us to communities such as a salt team for a purpose. So let's just get to the point. Let's cut to the chase. What impact do we have on our community? And I'm not asking about the impact you or me personally have on the community. Because we all have a role to play in this world personally. It's important that you and I each have a personal impact on the communities in which we live and the communities in which we belong. That's an assumption. But what I'm asking through this question is what impact do we as a church have on the community? What impact do we, Exeter CRC, have on the Exeter community? Or the South Huron, Perth, Middlesex, Lambeth communities? What impact do we have on the kingdom? Now, granted, it is difficult to separate you and I as individuals from the church because the church is not a building. The church is the people. But why do we exist? Well, we as the church have the task of sharing the gospel of Christ through word and example. We have the task, as Matthew 5, Jesus says in Matthew 5, we have the task of being salt and light. And this passage focuses on the community of believers rather than the individual believer. The church, as the body of Jesus, goes out in the name of Jesus. And when we go out, when we go out in the name of Jesus, we represent him. We represent his body. We represent his church. John Souk, he was a former Christian Reformed Church banner editor, and the banner is the monthly periodical that comes out by the Christian Reformed Church. But he was a former banner editor, and he's a former CRC pastor. And he published a book titled, Not Sure. In this book, he refers to a story about a lady who encounters a biblical scholar. And so this lady says to the scholar how she is so much more interested in other religions other than Christianity. And she goes on to say that Christianity doesn't interest her because as she puts it, Christianity is not a way of life. It's only about believing. Well, in John Suk's book, Not Sure, Suk agrees how Christianity is too often seen as all about head knowledge. And now, it's important, it's necessary to believe. We need to have the head knowledge. We have to believe in Jesus and what he has done for us through the cross and through the resurrection. But our faith, as he puts it, must go beyond believing. Our faith has to drop about 12 inches from our head and land into our hearts. And from there, we as a community of believers are to be the salt and the light. And as Scripture says, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Believe and live out what you believe. I think we understand that when you are salt, that uh, one grain of salt on your food, and even on the parking lot or sidewalk in the winter, it's probably not going to have, it'll have minimal impact. It's really, it's not going to have much impact at all. But multiple grains of salt, a good shake of that salt shaker on your food or, or a handful of salt on the parking lot or on a sidewalk will have an impact. 
Similar with light. A candle burning will supply a little light, but multiple candles burning will provide so much more. A city of lights will light up the sky. When our church purchased uh, this video projector, I'm guessing this projector probably has a strength of about 6,500 what's called lumens. A lumen is a measurement of light, a measurement of a light source in a certain area. Our older projector was probably less bright and only had about 3,500 lumens. So you can see the difference. The intensity, the impact of 6,500 lumens is much greater than 3,500 lumens or even one lumen. And you can see what one lumen would do. As individuals, when we come together in a community, we are so much brighter as a community of God's people. So Jesus here, he's not talking about one grain of salt. He's not talking about one lumen or one candle burning. He's talking to the community about the community. A community of people does so much more than one person. A community has more impact than one person. In ancient Israel, they had lights. And lights then, as they are today, were very useful. And the Israelites would often burn their oil lamps at night, and it created a greater sense of safety. In fact, light was so important that the Israelites would sooner go without food than let their lamp burn out. If their lamp burned out, this means that their house could potentially be deserted. And a deserted house was left open to being ransacked and uh, plundered. So the lamp, the lit lamp, symbolized life and dignity of the family. The lamp symbolized life and activity happening at that house. Lights also provided a way to see in the darkness. And in order to be useful, of course, the lamp must be visible, it must be showing. If everyone kept their lights burning in a town, then a town on a hill cannot be hidden. If someone was traveling at night, which was often quite dangerous, but it did happen, seeing a town glowing from the lights from quite a distance, would help one arrive at their destination. The glowing lights would give direction in the dark. So lights are meant to be visible. A lamp would be considered useless if that lamp was unable to shed light. If that lamp, as it says, is covered by a bowl or as a bushel, as we know from that familiar children's song, what use would it have? If one was to hide the light, then there's no sense in even having the light. The light is meant to be visible. So Jesus says, you, you are the salt of the earth. It's actually a command. And the word you is plural. He's talking to the community about the community. An interesting thing about salt is that salt also makes one thirsty. As salt, as a community of salt, We can make people thirsty. We can make people thirsty for Jesus. You see salt. You are salt, so people will thirst for Jesus. And then Jesus says, you, you are the light of the world. And again, this too, just as you are the salt of the world, you are the light of the world. It's a command. And the word you is plural. All of us together, together are to be active witnesses in the world. 
Jesus emphatically commands the people who have gathered on this mountainside that they together are salt and light. Jesus emphatically pronounces to the people that you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. It's not as if Jesus was saying, oh, okay, hey, people, um, here's something for you. I want you to try to be like salt. I want you to try to be like light. I know it's difficult, but, but do your best. He said, it's no. Jesus says, you are salt. You are light. You are my disciples. And as part of the community, you are disciples who are called to action. So go and give God the glory. Now, some of you might think that your light doesn't matter too much. Well, I'm going to say that's wrong to think that way. Everybody, I know we're talking about the community, but the community is made up of individuals. And if this 6,500 lumen projector here decreased one lumen at a time, it would make a difference. As slight as that difference might be. And over time, if these lumens disappeared, we would be back to the 3,500 lumens that we were once back to some years ago. Not being able to see the picture clearly. So do not allow the devil to tell you that your lumen, your light, does not count. Don't hide your light because each person makes a difference. And what each person has to offer God brings glory to God. No matter what your age. And each person coming together shines the light brightly to the community. A community of God's people will live their lives in such a way that they will shine in such a way that together our community, our city on a hill, makes an impact in our town and in our world. Tim Keller, he's a Reformed theologian and church planter in New York City, makes this point about being a city on a hill. Being a city on a hill points everybody to the eternal city. As a community, we have the opportunity, the blessing, the responsibility to model today what the eternal city would look like. As a church, we provide people a glimpse of what it's going to be like in the eternal city. Through Jesus, we provide people hope and provide people a quench for their thirst. And that's why we exist. A city on a hill would be a church that follows God's purpose for our existence, giving glory to God. How? By sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ by word and example. We give God glory when we share the gospel inside the church and outside the church. When we refer to the community, when we talk about the community and, and, and the how we are to be a blessing to the community, it also means the community of the church and the community beyond the church. For those who are reading the Back to God Ministries Today devotional, this month the author is focusing on Psalm 119. And the Psalm 119, longest chapter in the Bible, but it emphasizes God's word. On the bulletin board in the back, just in the foyer there, we are reminded of Psalm 119, verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. So people of God, let's get into God's word 
as we worship together as a community. Get into God's Word as you worship together as small groups of community, whether that be Sunday school or children and youth ministries, young adults, living small groups, other gatherings of God's people throughout the week or through the month. Young or old, spend time in God's Word. And as His Word lights your journey, encourage one another. Encourage one another to drop that knowledge from your head 12 inches down to your heart. Encourage one another to live out that word as his body, as his church. Share the gospel by word and example in our church community. Be all that God wants you to be. Use your spiritual gifts for the purpose of the body. Not for your own self, but for the purpose of the community. Again, community being inside and outside the church. As 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is part of it. So as part of the body of Christ, this gives God glory. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 to 18. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. What also gives God glory is when we encourage one another as a community in the church, in the small groups, however. When we encourage one another and we extend grace to one another. Allow each other to grow in areas of their gifts. Not shutting the gift down, even though maybe what someone does isn't our style or our preference, but finding out what pleases the Lord. We hold each one accountable when we get together as a community. Not in a judgmental way, or condescending way, or shaming way, but a loving and gracious way. Because this gives God glory as we share his word and as we continue to be an example. Share the gospel by word and example in our community and world. Question to ask is, to whom are we being a neighbor? How do we as a church make an impact in this town? How are we as a church transforming our community and making a difference in this world? And this is that Matthew 25 stuff, and you can read that whole passage later, but Matthew 25 talks about feeding the hungry and providing water to the thirsty, clothing people, sharing with people, caring for the sick, caring for those in prison, being people of justice. And I see us doing much of this in the community. And let us as Exeter Christian Reformed Church continue to grow in this area as well. Friends, we are a city on a hill. And we're called to be an effective community together. Not solely as one grain of salt. Yes, one grain of salt does add up to multiple grains. Not solely as one grain though. Not solely as one light. But a whole city on a hill transforming our community and our world. Let our lights shine brightly. Let us be salty. Finally, we started with verse 16. But we also need to end with verse 16. Because we do not exist as a church because we want to make ourselves or, and our church look good. We exist because it's about Jesus. Verse 16 states, let your light shine, again talking to the community of people, let your light shine so that your good deeds might be seen and that people will glorify your Father in heaven. As we share by word and example, 
people will hear our voices. They will see our actions. And this will all point to Jesus Christ. For what Jesus has done for us through his birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection. That Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. That he came to seek you and me. To save you and me and others. That God initiated his grace and his love to his people and his, through his son. And through his son Jesus, he died to take all our sins upon him. And we are called to respond in faith and love towards our God and towards his people in the community. Because it's all about Jesus. So the church is to be visible. The church the community of the saints, the body of Jesus, we are called to be that city on a hill. A city on a hill that cannot be hidden. It's always visible. So let's continue to be that city on a hill that Jesus calls us to be. Let Exeter Christian Reformed Church continue to be the light and the salt. Finding out what pleases our God and giving our God, all the glory. And together we say, Amen. Let's pray. Father God, Holy God, you give us clarity through your word and through your Holy Spirit. And too often, we don't fully understand or we're just disobedient. So forgive us for when we fail to seek you and to seek your will for our church. But as we continue this journey of exploring and finding out what pleases you as to why we exist as Exeter Christian Reformed Church, bless us as we continue to glorify you. And as we continue to do that by sharing your word and by being living examples and representatives of Jesus on this earth, may we be the light and the salt that you call us to be, so that we will not only bring you glory, but others will come to know you and bring you glory too. Open our minds, our hearts, our lives to striving to do your will and not our own. It's only in the name of Jesus we pray this. Amen.